episode of Fratello on Air. I'm Mike Stockton coming to you from London, England. And I'm Barash Renzi coming to you from Karlsruhe, Germany. How are you, sir? As always. Better. I feel better. Thank you. I'm not that sick anymore. How are you? I'm good. I, um... You've not been sick. That's good. No. Um, yeah. Vitamins. Getting ready for time for a pint, which will... Tomorrow. Yeah, be the day that this comes out. Yeah, and sadly I'll miss it. Probably be there for the next one. I'm not sad about that. <laughs> well, let's be honest. You enjoy- <laughs> let's be honest for one second. We had a swell old time last time I was we in did, We did have a swell old time. You're right. Actually, it was pretty good. So it's probably- we, ate, we ate it like that <clears throat> sort of fast food type uh, restaurant. Which Remember one? Remember that Asian restaurant right before with your colleague? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, that was a good place. Yeah, it was good. I mean, it was fast food, but it was Asian. I guess that's the healthiest. Is it? The, is Asian fast food the healthiest fast food you could, you could get? Man, that wasn't healthy what I ate. That was what? ballast I was eating to <laughs> prepare me for the beer. Yeah, so. but, the, but the good thing is you had like five, five to seven beers after, which is very healthy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no. but we bread. ate good. We ate good. Um, what was the place at Soho? Um, uh, you know the steak place. Yeah. Um, there was a bit of an issue with the with the server. It wasn't really helpful in the beginning. Oh, maybe I'm just too needy. Yeah, but um, it was a good time. I, I'll try to come, as I told you. I'll try to come back. Um, in I think May is the next one. Um, it probably won't make sense to come in April. I wanted to come and see you guys in April, but probably I'll come back for the May um, edition. The next one is in May, right? February, March, April. Better get here sooner, man. I need a strap from you. Well, I can, I can, I can ship that, but yeah, actually, yeah, true, true. (laughs) And I need my, uh, what do I need from you? I don't know. Well, something we always need. I got some American flag stance socks. Oh yeah, there you go. (laughs) Probably not going to wear those. Nah, I will. I will. So I went for a run today. Yeah. I went for a run yesterday. So here we had 70 kilometer per hour winds. Mm. So let me tell you this. I ran really fast in one direction. Depends on the direction. And really slow in the other. (laughs) You know, I have these, uh, I have these kind of overpasses above the the road. Oh, yeah. For the bikes and stuff. And when I run, around my area here you know you've been here there's like an overpass and and usually i that's what i turn well quasi turn back anyways it's the same thing when i when i get to the overpass i'm like oh shit here we go and i i slow down like extremely slow but then when i get to the top i have to slow down because otherwise i'll fall on the way down so i'm like (laughs) it's not a it's not a win-win it's a lose-lose situation for me here yeah yeah so that was rough today, but I was going to segue into our uh, 10 minute uh, banter discussion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's actually banter, but it, it is watch related. Okay. Okay. So it doesn't really count, but 
I thought running was kind of a good a good way to get into it because when I run now, I, I do a pre-stretch and I do a post-stretch. And mm-hmm. the topic I'm about to bring up is like a pre-stretch for our main topic today where we're going to talk about what's wrong with the watch industry. Mm-hmm. And the pre-stretch, Balash, is a mini rant. Yeah? Go for it. So last week, we talked about the three watches we would each save from a burning house. Yeah? Yes. And look, a lot of cool comments, by the way. Yeah. So, uh, yes, but, <laughs> and, and first off, we love it when you comment. Um, although I'm relatively sure that there are folks who comment who don't listen to the episode, um, which is totally fine. Uh, I'm not planning on calling or emailing each one of you to check if you listened. Uh, but, there were several comments in there related to, you know, basically, I wish, you know, uh, have the pets and the family safe or, you know, it's crazy to even take uh, one watch out. You should just let the insurance have it worth risking your life. And look, this is like a public service announcement. I mean, We could have titled the podcast or the article, what are your three favorite watches? Mm, Yeah. We we could have done that, but from your collection, that's, that's not really fun. Is it? I mean, it's fun to like set up a little bit of a hypothetical, but Mike, sorry to cut you off. You know, when we talk about watches, it's a matter of life and death. I know. And so I, I do realize that, um, you know, we spend a little over an hour every week recording this. Doesn't include the editing and the article writing. Mm-hmm. So it is a serious venture. But um, it is, at the end of the day, watches. And um, yeah, of course, the family is out. So so just to go into further detail for you semantics lovers, Balash lives alone. He doesn't even have a goldfish, for all I know. And um, I therefore... You know, nobody's getting hurt in the process. I, on the other hand, am probably the one to likely get locked into the house because it's my wife and daughter who would probably let, you know, lock me in and light the house on fire because of my uh, troublemaking all the time. So, you know, they would be fine. And um, yeah, so please enjoy the show. Enjoy watches. And uh, don't take it too seriously, yeah? Yeah, it's it's just a fun discussion. And um, <clears throat> the funny thing is they say don't read the comments, right? I like reading the comments because there's a lot of great <clears throat> comments. There's a lot of good suggestions, topics, and, and otherwise. And, of course, a lot of our our friends or people that we know, common friends and, and, and people that you know or people that I know comment on a on a on a regular basis so I, I i like to get that feedback and other feedback as well so i don't mind um but yeah this is not a matter of life and death this is this is just fun and by the way i may live alone but i'm often not alone oh your imaginary friend <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey so the other thing um so so <laughs> A little intermezzo before we get to the real topic. Um, 
You know what fascinates me, Balash, as a as a an American who has lived abroad for a number of years now. Breakfast habits, mm. or lack thereof. Well, I have a yogurt every morning and a cup of coffee and a glass mm-hmm. of water. Yeah, I'm not a big breakfast eater. I will do it from time to time. Me either. Yeah, but uh, this past weekend we had some visitors from my wife's home country. Mm-hmm. And that country, big big breakfast, big breakfast eaters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's but funny. Germany, I, I, Germany is the same. Yeah, they like. Yeah, it's funny. I was listening to a podcast. Um, it was a doctor, and he was talking about how this three meal a day kind of thing is is well, it's not overrated. It's just not. Um, it shouldn't be the standard anymore because mm-hmm. it was back then when people worked on you know. They were outside the whole day. Like yeah. Exactly. But I said, now, to be honest, you don't need to have breakfast. You can you can just get up, get a coffee, get a drink, and just eat, you know, lunch at 12 or 12.30. And you should be fine. So, but I remember when I was a kid, I was like, you shouldn't leave the house without having proper breakfast. And then I'm like, you know, a kid, you can eat anything and everything all the time, right? That's true. But then when you grow up, it's like, I also don't, don't have breakfast. I have a coffee as well and, and water and stuff until lunch. And usually I don't have dinner, sometimes just something small. Um, but, but yeah, I know, especially when, when these people and, and you know, your wives, people, my people, so, you know, we're talking about when they're on their vacation, man, the breakfast buffet, buddy. I mean, you've that's been from a 7.30 to 10 o'clock uh, program. You, you've been to a German hotel. I mean, it is mm-hmm. like a, if you, if you want to see, literally everything but the decorations and maybe even them too get eaten. eaten. Holy cow. Like a German buffet is not messing around. It's yeah. like everything's always empty. Yeah. And, you and have like, like sausage and <clears throat> Nutella and everything in between. Oh yeah. Like a Nutella dispenser. And, <laughs> yeah. and then like that big honeycomb sitting there, you know, mm-hmm. dripping the honey and like, you see like the poor harried person walking out of the kitchen um, with a, it doesn't even get the tray over to the buffet and it's already it's like robbed. stripped clean. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But then again, I have to say when I'm, when I'm traveling like on vacation, but I'm not doing like a beach vacation, like a city trip or something, I really have a big breakfast and I don't eat until like three, 4 PM. That's a good point. Yeah. So Place that, like Spain, that makes sense. I yeah. Mean, for example. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you're not getting up at seven o'clock either, right? So well, there you go. Yeah, and then you eat something like ten, ten, nine, ten, ten thirty, whatever, and then you don't have anything. Maybe like a light dinner, or you can keep on going until dinner time. I'm not really a big dinner guy because then I can't go, I can't sleep. I, mm. I, I guess it's just I'm used to it. <clears throat> so I'm a big dinner person, but I don't like to eat too late. Like seven, seven thirty is my time. Um, I can eat later, but then I'm, you know. Not a big steak, and frankly, I don't eat a big steak that often anymore. Anyway, yeah, well, that's that's the other thing. It's not only what you eat or when you eat, but when what you eat. Um, but um, I'm, you know, I'm 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 going to New York this weekend, so Sunday morning, I got to tell you, it's going to be chopped cheese, baby. Mm. It's going to be chopped cheese. I actually saved some 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 pretty cool bars and, and places um, in New York that I I wanted to try. So maybe I'll have have the, the, the chance to do that, um, but 
before you move on, you move on to the watches. And I know it's eleven minutes now, so I'm so okay. sorry. We but I did I'm, kind of talk about watches. Yeah, true. Okay, so I wanted to talk to you a bit about sneakers. Ooh, okay. Sorry if you don't if you if you guys don't want to hear this, skip to like probably three to four minutes, and um, because I um, you wanted to, or you still want to get the new um, Nike. Air Tech Challenge 2, aka Agassi Hot Lava. Yes, sir. And I wanted I I I I found some fun facts about that shoe and I wanted to share them with you. Okay. So it's on Instagram, by the way. So Stinker Hatfield, who designed the the Air Tech Challenge, did you realize that the wings on the side they come from the Jordan Force? Oh, interesting. If you look at the just above the swoosh, there's like a gray wing, pair of wings, obviously. And they, they are basically a, a modified version of the Air Jordan Force wings. Hmm. Also, um, Kanye West did, um, 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 he, he basically, when he created his, his first signature shoes with Nike back then, before Adidas came, he took the, the um, entire midsole of the AirTag Challenge 2 for his uh, swoosh um, opus kind of shoe. And um, this midsole then was paired with an anatomical spinal heel that recalls Batman's armored suit. So it's the suit, armored suit um, that you see in the back. You have to, you have to see the watch, uh, you see the, the shoe to, 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 um, to see what I'm talking about. And also 2024, will mark mm-hmm. the sixth time Nike, the Nike AirTag Challenge 2 will be retroed. Because it really? came out in 1990. Then they retroed it in 2008, 2014, 2016, and 2019. <clears throat> I can't wait. There you go. So I can't remember if it was that model or the one after. They also did one in like a tennis ball green color. Oh, this I don't know. Because he, he like had – this was um, – these shoes, he was rocking the denim with like the pink lycra underneath, mm-hmm. and he had like a, I don't know, one of those years where he did a, I think it was like denim with like that bright yellow lycra underneath. So, you know, Ooh. the shoes always matched. But I'm I'm very excited. I hope I get them. Um, oh, I'm sure you will. It's gonna be gonna be awesome. So I'm sure you will. Yeah, there's 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 a lot of <clears throat> talks and a lot of hype around that shoe so uh in a few uh few weeks uh, i don't know if is it march or may i think it's may but I, I don't see it yet in sneakers for upcoming so yeah so it may take a while anyways enough of sneaker talk i just wanted to um bring these uh these facts to your attention i'm gonna send you a link and that we also got a comment that we don't we talk about sending links to each other which is not in the show notes Ooh. We can put this in the show notes. Uh, it's actually on um, on uh, a website um, called sneaker uh, sneakerfreaker.com. Oh yeah, that's a good site. A look back at Andre Agassi's early '90s sneaker style, and there's a bunch of st- Agassi, buddy. Well, whatever, Bulova, Bulova, <laughs> uh, Ramada, Ramada. Um, watches. So, sir, 
the Hangalanks controller starts with you today. Okay. So I have a watch with me that you haven't seen yet. And the reason oh. you haven't seen it is because it's a review watch and it just came in the mail today. And that is the... This, by the way, is an example of you holding out on me. Go no, ahead. no, it's not because I can tell you why. I was I had a super busy day today and the watch came in the afternoon. I just opened the box and then um, I went back to work and I haven't even put the watch on my wrist yet. So it's it's super fresh. It's so so fresh. It's it's still hot, it's sizzling. Well, to me, everybody already reviewed it. So there you go. Um, I used to be the first one to get these. The Piaget Polo 79. Almost. It's the Volcane Grand Prix 39 millimeter Champagne dial for 1000 that's my french accent right there that's 1190 swiss francs so roughly the same in euros and maybe a tad bit more in dollars but also a bit cheaper in in uh, great british pounds um it's a 39 millimeter time only watch which is uh which is pretty cool cuz we are we are on our time only vibe these these days these months these years that's not, right not years but definitely the, the past year i should say and so it comes in uh, three colors. There's a silver, the champagne, or champagne. Uh, if you look at uh, Instagram and you see the meme from um, one of those YouTube shows, I think it's uh, Drink Champs. Um, if not, I'll send you the link. And black. And this, and I, and I have the the, sh- the champagne version, which is it's funny because it looks kind of green. In you know, from can, certain angles, I can see how that I'm looking at their website and I see that picture at an angle. Yeah, I think it's probably the um, uh, anti reflective, the, exactly. They are coding, I'm guessing that <clears throat> you kind of you know mixed up with the gold. Um, is that my favorite color combination? I don't know because I haven't seen the other two in real life or in the metal. Um, it's not too bad with the brown first impressions. Um, and I like the size that it's 39. I could do maybe with a 38 better, mm. but that's just me. Um, it looks like a large watch because there's not much bezel, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's just, it's it's a lot of, uh, lot of dial, um, raised indexes, and three hands. Hands are quite interesting if you look at the shape of the hands, uh, the, the hour and minute hands. I, I like that it's not really a... a, a, a pencil hand not not really stick hands because they're very thin towards the stem you see but they're thicker yeah i um, see that yeah it's quite an interesting um quite an interesting design um and i mean as i said a hair over a thousand euros or well hair a hair 100 euros let's say more uh over a uh, thousand euros or or um uh, see it here for 1100 pounds which is interesting yeah, it says taxes included except for US one one nine zero Swiss francs and um yeah I cannot change the, the currency but yeah so let's say around a thousand give kinda, or take a couple hundred kind of dig the black dial mm-hmm. yeah it's nice <clears throat> it's a simple so, watch right from from Volcane so I was looking up um, because they you know most of the watches that they've come with. I shouldn't say all I've I've recognized, you know, the just the the vintage model. Um mm-hmm. I guess that last diver I didn't. The uh what is it? The nautique no, the uh skin diver. 
But um, this one I didn't recognize, so I went looking up ver- the Volcane Grand Prix. <laughs> the Grand Prix. When I was a little kid, I, I said that to my dad. I was like, oh, I'm going to go play that video game, Grand Prix. And my dad Pricks. started laughing. He goes, yeah, that's <laughs> Grand There's a bunch of Grand Prix around here. Yeah. He was <laughs> like, that, that would be Grand Prix. I play golf um, with a few of those Grand Prix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see some driving later. Um, yeah, the um, this was a model name that they used for decades and mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't realize that. I found a gorgeous uh, Volcane Grand Prix rectangular watch that looked like it was from like the forties or something. And uh, yeah, so I, I don't really know what the the designation was meant uh, for, but covered a lot of watches, I guess. Yeah, I guess it was a model model family back then. But I mean, <clears throat> that, these are the first three. Well, the first model in three colors. It doesn't mean that there won't be any more Grand Prix coming. Um, mm-hmm. This, I don't know. I have to say, I, I really don't know. Um, so I, and I said, I kind of late to the party because a lot of reviews already have come out. So, um, but so I see that it says Automat- Automatiqua on the dial. Yeah, What's inside? It's a Landron. Oh, okay. It's a Landron L27 automatic, obviously, automatic movement with 40 hours of power reserve and a 28,800. Kutze Frage for you, buddy. That's a short question in German. <laughs> so a Landeron, <clears throat> I know that this is yet another um, kind of upstart, obviously using an old name um, that's making what basically, uh, I guess, EDA type competitor movements, yeah. right? Yeah. So what do you think about the fact that Landeron, which they weren't bad movements, but they were. But they weren't good either. They were very inexpensive. I mean, I always say the Landeron gave the people chronograph movements, you know, they, they were very yeah. expensive prior to that. So we got to, you know, give them praise for that back in the day. But it's sort of like, I don't want to say it'd be like a, you know, bunch of dudes getting together and being like, all right, let's restart, um, what? You go as a car company, and uh, but why you know, would like, you? Exactly, it's just sort of a weird name. But um, in any case, I guess it, I guess it works. So, any any comments on the movement? I mean, I know you're not really like wearing it long term, but does how does it feel to wind? No, it's. I mean, you're right. It's a. It's <clears throat> like most. Sorry, like most uh, most movements is like an ETA. It's a twenty eight twenty four dash two. Um, clone basically, right? Because the the ETA um, uh, blueprints are now in public domain, so anybody can copy them, and they do. And I mean, Landron. I think it's. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if the if the brand ever went away, and, and this movement manufacturer is the same Landron, or is it just they just use the name? And I have no idea. Um, but you're right. Back then, or for like vintage circles, Landron is not the the best name it's an okay brand i guess but it's when you see a, a landron inside a watch it's often a, a, like a turn down or like a turn off and rather than a like a turn on right um mm-hmm. even if the design is good well having said that as i said this one <clears throat> manual winding is fine uh, as i said it's 40 hours power reserve 28800 so it's a four hertz movement 
um, Sentra secondhand, secondhand. Um, you know, it's 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 basic. It's it's produced by Depa Swiss Movements Company, Depa Luxury Distribution GmbH. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's not a Salida. It's not a um, Miura or whatever. And that's not the first time I think they're using Landron. Or maybe first time for Vulcan, but but um, I've, I've seen other watches with Landron movement. So I guess they're just inexpensive and, and um, available, which is, I think that Salida's quasi-problem is that they're, they just cannot produce enough movements. So I think at some point you should visit... <laughs> Landron? You should visit the Landron um, website, yeah, because it is like no other watch movement site I've been to. It's filled with sort of jovial uh, quotations on there from like Vincent van Gogh, Mm. Mark Twain, Mm. and uh, has like kind of what I would call 80s style fonts and... um, I mean, it's it's fun. Uh, and, yeah, you see? Uh, yeah, and they are located in Kaiseraugst, Switzerland. Yeah. Great things are done by a series of small things brought together. But did you see that you like that script font and everything? I mean, the, if you it's keep Times going, New Roman, isn't it? Times New Roman? <laughs> if you keep going down, the secret of getting ahead is getting started, Mark Twain. Oh, I, I, okay, I miss, I miss her death. <laughs> the secret of getting ahead <laughs> is it? Careful, yeah. Um, well, and funny start. enough, there's a screw on. <laughs> <laughs> and and we do not make this up. Landron dash Swiss dash movements dot com. Please visit the website. But this, the secret of getting ahead is getting started. The font looks like something, I don't know if you recall these word processor type uh, programs like 20 years ago that you'd put like a piece of paper and then print this stuff out and then you'd fold the paper in four. Yeah. I it mean, reminds me of that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the design of the whole website is kind of like that, isn't it? With these fake um, like shades behind the, the pictures and stuff. On the other hand... Let's be honest. Do you expect a fun site from a uh, watch movement? Absolutely not. And this is pretty fun as far as watch uh, movement sites go. I mean, the last picture with this huge, uh, um, what is that? Like a hangar kind of building with all the the, oh, yeah. the, the machinery. CNC machines yeah, and whatnot. It's in, yeah. yeah, it's insane. I mean, yeah, what you need is is a good... Uh, uh, functioning movement, and <clears throat> apparently those are. Landron is it? Yeah, there you go. So, um, interesting thing is, um, for whatever reason, I see a bunch of different things. I see a Swiss address, but then I see uh, an Italian email address with Italian phone number. So, I guess it's just a yeah company, from, you know, with uh, a different owners or or. By the way, I went to Landeron's uh, chosen vendor, Squarespace, who made their website. Mm. And Squarespace has a gorgeous website. So this was all Landeron's choice in terms of the fonts and whatnot. Good on them. There you go. <clears throat> so <laughs> moving on. Yeah. Um, 
I am wearing, surprise, surprise, the watch that I sent you a picture of the other day. Mm -hmm. This is my new acquisition. I've been on a inexpensive tear, let's say, recently. And this is my 1939 Omega Reference 13322, which is a Denison case, meaning made in England, with a 30T2 manual wind movement. And um, it is made of sterling silver. Very so, cool. So, yeah. <clears throat> I bought this watch at um, at auction a week ago. Actually, literally will be the um, the day that uh, this podcast comes out and roughly the uh, same time that the podcast comes out. So Gardner Holgate um, is located somewhere, I believe, in the Midlands. I don't know. Oh, clo- yeah. Clo- sorry. Close to, uh, um, well, they're in Corsham. And anyhow, they had a, a an auction last week, a two-day auction. And this one was like lot number eight, which started at 10 a.m. So I didn't have to hang around very long. And the watch came up. And um, honestly, I did some research before uh, bidding on it. And I couldn't find, I found a gazillion 13322s. It's a, it's a very popular case. And in fact, Balash was used by Tissot, um, possibly Lon Hines and, uh, <laughs> and others. <clears throat> and made in like stainless steel, nine karat gold. I think there were even some in 18, um, maybe gold filled. But when I started doing my research, um, of course, after I bought the watch at auction, I dug into some different Omega forums from Omega forums. And somebody who seems quite familiar with these Denison case watches said that he had stumbled upon three of these in silver. So it seems like it's a fairly uncommon watch. They made it for two years, 1939 and 40 which is interesting because silver, um, I guess at that time during the war was not a strategic material yet. Uh, but steel presumably was. And the other thing I was reading at that time is that silver cost 45 cents an ounce. So it was not expensive. And yeah, it's a, it's a cool watch. It's got, um, Radium numerals, like a silvery white dial, big subseconds, and syringe hands. The minutes hand has a bit of the loom missing, but overall, it's in great condition. Um, of course, it's got tarnish, which I've not, I'm not removing. It's got fixed spring bars, which you have so uh, graciously um, offered to donate a uh, a GLC strap, uh, which I appreciate. And anytime. Yeah, I'm digging it. It's like 34 millimeters by 41. So it's not a big watch, but it wears nicely. And yeah, I always wanted a 30T2. And I know I've reached out to you about certain older Omegas, and I have a penchant for finding redialed ones, but this one thankfully is not. So, no, absolutely not. Not only that, but it's a, it's a lovely looking example. It's a, <clears throat> as you said, it's a smaller case, but because of the, very thin bezel it looks kind of big 
and also because of the the well, I guess beige. You could call it beige dial, or or I wouldn't call it yellow, but definitely a, a light dial. So it's not a black dial. Um, the thirty two T two is like a legendary movement because m- many of the the Omega uh, three digit calibers are based on the thirty T two. So having that in a watch is is always a, a delight. I had one with a black dial uh, many moons ago. So uh, and I like the hands, I like the loomed or well radium uh, filled. Let's just say hands. So all in all, it's a uh, it's a lovely example. And well, especially because of the case is is um, is made in England. Yeah, it's a it's a local market model, right? So yeah. It's in uh, really good condition as well. Yeah. Well, thank you. So and what is that like? Was um, The idea behind that was that it was, if you imported the watch as a movement without the case, it was cheaper, right? Yeah, you avoided... Uh, so it was not a finished product, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Similar in the US. Yeah. Um, so you would buy the case. I mean, they would buy the movement with the dial and the hands, and it would have local case cases made and the watches were cased i.e finished in in england yeah and the you know the the reputation behind denison i mean they made a lot of cases for a lot of different brands but yeah and this one is a is a relatively rudimentary case design I, i like the style it's got those sort of sweeping lugs but they also made some more ornate styles, you know, and, you know, for dress watches, gold dress watches. And, you know, some say that the, uh, the finishing that they were doing was, you know, at par with, with what Omega was doing or whoever they were using in Switzerland. So they, they did have a good reputation for some time. And I think I read that Denison closed in like 67, I think. Um, but yeah, for 1939, this is pretty neat. And, you know, I was doing some research on the 30T2, and I thought that I read that it also debuted in 39. So it's just sort of a neat coming together of a lot of things, I guess. Hmm. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's too bad that the um, the Rand uh, website is not available oh, anymore. Oh yeah, I'm with you because that was well, that was a um, just an amazing source of information. It's really and, sad, honestly. And sadly, Dr. Renf passed away last year, I think, and uh, the website is not available. But um, but yeah, uh, I, I used it especially, and I guess <clears throat> we all did when we were researching Winted stuff, um, the website. But yeah, anyways, I, um, I agree. Yeah, it's a lovely example. It's a super cool watch, and uh, I, I have that strap for you, so you will have it soon on a on a nicer strap that you have it on now, which I think is a leather NATO strap. Yeah, I it mean, is it, a problem. Yeah, the fixed spring bars always a, a bit of a pain too. Yeah, I was thinking uh, about cutting them out, you know. But ah, keep it, <laughs> keep it, because then you have to, when you cut it, you mean cut the the spring bars. Yeah, then I was going to drill. Then through you have the to drill. Lugs, yeah, you know? exactly. I was going to do that. Yeah, it's a it's a bit of a pain, I guess. You know, with like a really big drill bit, so. <laughs> Good luck with that. Or just heat heat the watch up and try to pierce it. You know, what do you think? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what are you going to heat it with at home? <laughs> the stove? 
Well, you know, burning house, right? So, there you <laughs> go. Oh, yo, yo. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, well, uh, sir. We're in the mood already. <laughs> we're moving on. It's been a while since we've had a bit of a ranty episode, so... Mm-hmm. Here we go with our uh, our main topic, which is what is wrong with the watch industry. And oh, how much time you have? <laughs> <laughs> how, what's right with the watch industry? Oh, that's a one second. <laughs> um, no, 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 no. That's not true. But we do think that there are some things that can improve. And yes, Balash and I, both as qualified former watch CEOs, are you know esteemed enough to uh, share our opinion and uh, solve the uh, watch world's problems, right? On Yeah, on the one hand. And on the other hand, everybody, please keep in mind that, as always, these are our subjective opinions. They do not represent any company, any publication, any brand, anything. This is just what we think. But they're correct. Our but they're opinions, cor- I mean, right? as far as I'm concerned, it is. We 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 saw a bunch of things, and there's no 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 um, no surprise, no secret that you and I we we have a very um, specific taste when it comes to the industry and what direction the industry is going, and we do send stuff to each other, stuff that we see online on 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 social media, and um, we've probably seen enough of dumb stuff so we came up with this idea let's talk a bit about the things that i wouldn't say annoy us because it's really a a hard word because i could care less to be honest but since we both are connected to this to this industry and community and we love watches and we love collecting when you all know the story uh we felt entitled to share our thoughts with you guys i like it entitled yeah, well, I, I live, you know, use it in quotations entitled <laughs> before anybody tries to kill me in the comments. Please do. Yes, sir. Well, sir, I'm going to let you kick it off with your first thought. On yeah, what, I think. On the I, watch industry. I, yeah, so we, we shared some notes, and my 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 first note was, and this is not something that is wrong with the industry, rather just how the industry is, and that I said that it moves slower than an aircraft carrier. Which is, I don't know how how slow an aircraft carrier is, but I think it takes uh, those uh, carriers a lot of time to turn and do certain maneuvers, and that's what I meant. Uh, what I when I put that in the in the notes, like it, the industry, and I don't know if if that's true for other industries. I mean, fifty six kilometers per hour. Well, it's not too fast, huh? I mean. That's pretty fast for the. That's the USS Gerald R. Ford. That's pretty fast. Yeah, but is that okay? Is that the speed they turn as well? Like they maneuver, or just like poof, pedal to the metal? Uh, that's pedal to the metal. Yeah. Okay. So they're not that fast after all. I don't think I'd want to see one drift at that. <laughs> so I don't know about the other about other industries. You worked in a in a, in a car industry. Um, mm-hmm. Although you did that um, um, a while ago, but I I don't know if they're if they respond fast, but I would say f- probably faster than the watch industry, right? They 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 tend to to find a direction and they keep going into direction 
until they realize maybe that's not the right direction. But then they're like four out, four years too late, and then they start to turn, but not always in you know in the right direction as far as I'm concerned. So this is just a general observation of the industry or my opinion on, uh, of the industry as a whole. Yeah, I think that um, what surprises me, because no, the auto industry depends on what we're talking about. I guess stuff is faster today because there's so much more in terms of electronics that can be updated pretty quickly. But obviously physical products, it takes time to, to, to change. There's There's work that goes on there. But with a watch, you know, things like, dials and stuff like that take an inordinately amount a long amount of time to do it's like it's crazy and um i can't tell balash if it's that you know it's it's the physical product the distribution and then the whole marketing machine that has to get behind it Mm -hmm. um you know, creating all the materials and all this stuff i don't maybe that's part of it and there's obviously an expense to that um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy how long this stuff takes and, uh, you know, we're not talking about like a brand new movement behind, we're talking about right. like physical pieces around it. Right. When, especially when it comes to certain trends, right? Like you, you see certain trends happening in the, in, in the community and then by the time the industry it's too late. It's, yeah, it's picking those trends up. It's like, what? Well, this is this feels like 2018. Well, like you know, let, let's let's give it like a perfect example of this, and we'll we'll I guess pick on them a little, but like I don't understand why it took so long for IWC to come out with the engineer that they came out with last year. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we don't even have to talk about the what I would call kind of like a ham-fisted market marketing strategy when they came out with it, basically saying it was limited, trying to basically force it to, to be like a Royal Oak and, and you're going to struggle to get this. But where were they with that watch three years before? Right. And then I guess people can say, well, you don't understand how the how these brands work and blah, blah, blah. I, I think I do understand how these brands work. And I think, Mike, you do too, because we've had – Many, 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 many meetings and stuff with these brands and visits and stuff like that. It's just that I really don't care how you work. You have to be faster. Mm. Simple as that. I don't, you know, when when I'm doing my job and, and people tell, oh, my boss is saying, well, we. Did you just say my job? <laughs> you should have, you should have done this or, you know, this, this should have been done like a week ago or a month ago. Then, then they don't care why. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's just how it is. So. I guess, um, you know, chop, chop. Yeah. For a, uh, an industry that focuses on time, they seem to take it, don't they? (laughs) And trends and fashion and style and, you know, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. So, but that's, that's just a general thing, right? But, um, why don't we move on to your first, um, uh, point in the, in the notes? Sure. Pricing. Or as Germans say, pricing. (laughs) Sehr teuer. Yeah. (laughs) I think if if I go back to when I came out of school and I was looking at watches, 
luxury watches have never been inexpensive. And I think, you know, even at that time, I mean, for most people, even if they have the money, contemplating spending that amount of money on something like a watch is just, just feels wasteful and, and silly. Um, we're, we're obviously different. And if you're listening to this, you're different too, but no, that was th- nice. Huh? That was nice. But it's true, right? It is true. No, yeah. absolutely. 100%. And uh, so, so in other words, you can justify spending, you know, you, you can somehow justify spending what seems like a silly amount of money for, for an archaic machine for your wrist. But I think that, that pricing by and large has truly gotten out of hand and yeah. I don't fully get it. I cannot for the life of me blame everything on currency fluctuation or just inflation. Um, now I have spoken to small companies who've had to raise prices. So perhaps it's the case, but perhaps it's more a case of the suppliers in Switzerland and, and other places raising prices, but it is, um, it is all led to a, a watch market that I don't understand anymore because, um, you know, the 10,000 whatever currency threshold used to be a fairly sacred thing. And now, I mean, the number of watches that are either approaching this or above it that were once significantly below that, it's, it's incredible. I don't know who the heck can afford these things. I really don't. Um, because if I were coming into the market today and making good money, I think I'd have a real challenge uh, looking at these prices. I really do. Well, so it says that the overall average export value of a Swiss watch has increased more than 50% since 2019 Oof. from 993 Swiss francs to nearly 1,500. Hmm. And in between, we had something called COVID. Yeah. Where basically every shove was wiped off. Yeah. Right. Everything was bought. And of course, now there's a decline. We talked about this. Is, is, it's that, is that a decline? Is that the bubble bursting? Blah, 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 blah. Let's not get into that. I don't think it's a decline. I think it's just prices are rationalizing, whatever. <clears throat> but in the last five years, 50% increase. On average, I'm talking, obviously. So in, in 2022, the, the FHH reported that watches with an export value above 3,000 Swiss francs grew 16% over the previous year. So a 3,000 Swiss franc watch 16% increase is almost a 3,000 Swiss franc watch was almost 4,000, right? Mm, I guess 3,500. 35, yeah. Yeah, 35, yeah. Okay, not 4,000, but 35, yeah. But still. But still. still. And if you look at the Speedy, because we talked about the Speedy, right? Like how when... Even when I bought mine, the, the new one, it was 5,600, yep. something like that. Just a normal, you know, Hasselite, blah, blah, blah. Yep. What's the Hasselite now? Yes, I know there's a new movement. Yes, I know there's a new bracelet. Yes, I know there's a new this, there's a new that. But still, 
what's the price now? Seven. Yeah, more. Seven plus something. Yeah. And I bought mine in 2020. So in four years, actually, it came out two years ago already. It went up from five to seven. And I bought mine, I think, in 2015 for under 3,000. Brand new. Hasselite. Brand new. Yeah. I think it was 2,700 euros. I bought. I think it was my five, five, six. I paid. Yeah. And uh, and now it's yeah. And so okay, let's compare yours to mine because the the new one is okay. Fair enough. It's a different movement. Blah blah blah. But you paid. Yeah, but by the way, sorry to years. say, sorry to say, yeah, I still expect innovation to come, and not necessarily for a, you know, fifty percent increase in price. Yeah. Well, true. Yeah. I mean, it didn't used to be that like a new E-class cost uh, 30% more than the outgoing one, you know? Yeah. So, you know, there was like a, there was sort of a range bound uh, thing now. Yeah. All all those things have gone up too, but no, I, I just think, I think it's, it's crazy because I don't know about you, but did you, did you get a 16% raise or whatever last year? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's Nobody that's the, does, right? that's so. that's the thing, right? Like where you, you know the five thousand, six thousand euro watch, and not just the Speedmaster. We can talk about a lot of watches. A five six thousand euro watch that was five thousand, six thousand in 2020, 2019, 2021 is now around seven eight. Yeah, which is a lot. And my salary didn't go, as you said, um, twenty five, thirty, forty percent more in the last four years. Um. And then, and then it kind of kills the, <clears throat> it kind of kills the fun. I think you and I talked about this. Like it's not, it's not fun anymore. Um, and I guess for, I guess for some people that's not a problem, right? Well, pay nine or pay fifteen. Who cares? Well, a lot of people care because those people will have to look at the category there they were supposed to purchase in and step one category or maybe even two categories down. Or they have to sell more watches, their watches, or or wait longer to to be able to afford that one, which was not the case a few years ago. Yeah. And then, on the other hand, we you have the price increase, but then when you talk about um, how brands try to sell you these watches. <laughs> What's the allure they're trying to create? And we're talking about marketing. Yeah. Then our list is pretty much endless. Um, yeah, of, of problems, right? Of problems, right, of, 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 of things. So which one shall we pick from that? What do you think? Well, and, and maybe just to be very, very clear here, because um, I know we've got some some non-English as a first language listeners, but you know, what Balash is really talking about is what are you paying for as a consumer as far as the brand's activities, right? Right. Well, I think the celebrity endorsers is a good one to start with. Right. (laughs) And, you know, before we get into that, you know, I was on a kind of our weekly editorial call this morning and, uh, 
RJ brought up a point, and it's very true. When was the last time you saw an ad from a mainline luxury brand that actually talked about the watch? Yeah, not who's wearing it. Not who's wearing it. Yeah. I mean, but I guess it's it's a... It's a sign, it's, right? It's not the commodity anymore. It's well, the person the, who's wearing it. Yeah, I mean, the, the discussions around the accuracy or the movement technology, while I guess it kind of has to be there, it's very much in the background, isn't it? Hmm. And no, the, but these... These celebrities, and I, you know, you listened to our last episode, and Balash was pretty clear about his thoughts about, you know, celebrity endorsers once the contract ends and are always wearing other things. And it's funny, I saw Tom Brady today, uh, some pictures of him coming out of a Miami gym wearing a, uh, a GMT. <laughs> Whereas he was with IWC and before he was with Tag Heuer for many years. Yeah. And I mean, he's, G- he's with IWC now, isn't he? And I don't know if he's still with them, but he was last I checked. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know if he's still with. I guess so. But yeah. So. But who are we kidding, right? Yeah. Like I, these guys are making. Well, Tom Brady's making hundreds of millions of dollars a year. You think he's going to wear a tack hoyer? Do you think he wants to wear a tack hoyer? Or an IWC? If he cares about stuff like that, probably not. If he doesn't doesn't matter right and he does because he's wearing and he does he was wearing all sorts of rolexes so like because you know if it's like ryan gosling is a great example right he's with tag here now and whatever i I think that's also just a money money grab but whatever but before he would wear like a bubble back rolex which was probably his own because he used to wear that in movies but also in like war shows and stuff which is a, a, a vintage bubble i mean bubble back is not really the most sought after vintage rolex to begin with no and he used to wear it everywhere. Plus, he was wearing Casio watches. So Casios and, and bubble bags, that was his style. That was his choice. Now, the tag here is obviously he's contractually obliged to wear those watches. Just fine. But And maybe he even likes the brand or he will start liking the brand. But he's not wearing that brand because he all of a sudden he started to like Tag Heuer. <laughs> then again, there's also... Um, George Clooney or Cindy Crawford, her whole family or the the the, the kids at least are now ambassadors. Omega. Yeah, Omega, right? But and and is that a is that a money grab? For sure it is. But at least she is consistently with the brand for a decade, years, more know. than more than a decade. I don't know for a long time. So eventually, you build this relationship. George Clooney is the same, right? He's been with with Omega for I don't know how many years. Long time. A long time. And he used to talk, you know, he talked about his father used to own a Speedmaster and blah, blah, blah. Whether that's true or not, we'll never know. But he's at least consistent with the brand. Is that a money grab? Yes, it is. I'm sure it is. But at least it looks a bit more genuine, even if it's probably not. I don't know. But these guys who jump from brand to brand to brand every three, four, five years, and and you know M- Michael Schumacher, he was with Omega for a long time, right? Yeah. And then they stopped. Why? I don't know. And then he went with AP. Yep. That was strange to me because for Omega me, this whole line of watches, right? Yes. For me, Schumacher was always Omega guy. Yeah. But that was back then. We're talking five, six, seven, eight years ago. 
But as I said last time, Brad Pitt and Breitling, please. Please. Yeah, I don't... I, it, it must work, right? Because I just don't... There's been such a shift now. Like, okay, Rolex always sponsored... You know, they always had like their racing, their explorer guys, mm. um, and usually some sporting folks, and then a few like <clears throat> cultural type ambassadors. And I always thought that the way they did it, typically because these ads were like in National Geographic and everything, they seemed somehow more dignified. Um, and to be very honest with you, of any brand, I don't care about all the price increases prices are still like somehow somewhat reasonable. Like I'm looking right now the, and, and it's obviously well up over what it used to be, but I'm looking here at just the, the normal Submariner, right. And it's 8,000 pounds, which hmm. I don't know, somehow I can get my head around that a little bit. Um, but okay. I liked it better when it was six, uh, 10 years ago, but um, no, I I'm, some celebrities, I guess I can, you know, Tiger Woods. Okay. The guy's like an absolute legend. Um, yeah. you know, when it's some also ran golfer, some guy won one major like seven years ago and I've never seen him since. I don't know. feels like a bit of a, you know, them just sort of like spreading out their spreading, spreading out their risk and hoping, yeah, maybe this guy will win again one day, you know? Mm. Well, Okay. Truth yeah, be, you're paying for it. I mean, truth be told, we're talking about really, really famous celebrities, right? Yeah. We're talking about A-listers, Hollywood people, you know, stuff like that, seven-time Super Bowl champion, whatever. But then there's also the the not-so-famous celebrity endorser who's like, who's who's that guy again? What 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 does he do? Or what yeah. did he do? Yeah. Is he going to make me buy this watch or that watch? And if the connection is great, I'm I'm trying to think of a of a watch um connection to a a person or a company that, that actually makes sense. And I'm sure there's there's a lot Kevin of that Costner stuff. With Jacques Lamond. Yeah. Remember For that? example. Or like uh, Al Pacino with um... with Tutima. <laughs> I mean, listen, he likes German watchmaking. What can I say? <laughs> Liked. It doesn't like it anymore because he's not on a page. And I, I mean, I'm on a poster. I mean, <laughs> on a catalog. Sorry. Yeah. Well, let, let, well, I guess everybody understands our point on this. So let's move on to the next, uh, next, next topic, Mike. Or the yeah. next, uh, next point in your notes. Born to dare, Balash. There you go. With Lady Gaga, remember? Yeah, Tudor. <clears throat> yeah. So my other one, and I've I've complained about. Uh, about this, but these single brand boutiques that are everywhere, mm -hmm. you know, watch, watch companies. It feels to me that aside from, you know, the, the, the jewelry based watch companies like Piaget and whatnot, mm -hmm. <coughs> Cartier, of course, um, there, there, there weren't really a lot of standalone watch boutiques back in the day. And this is obviously risen. And, you know, you, you, you hear all these comments about, yeah, they want to protect the brand. They want to, you know, make sure the retail prices uh, hold up. But 
you know, somebody ought to know, look, first off, again, we're paying for those, right? Because they're always in really expensive areas. They're expensively kitted out. Um, and sorry to say, like the bulk of these, I never see anybody inside them. There's no one inside. Remember when we were in, we were in London and we went to this um, this boutique? I'm not going to say which brand. When we went upstairs, mm, we yep. went in. It was what was it like a? I don't know which day it was. But it was like a morning, like eleven in the morning or something. There was one couple, yep, and fine. everybody was basically around those people because they had nothing to do. And we went upstairs, and I think after five minutes, one guy realized, "Oh, there's another two." potential customers let me go up and talk to them but until then it was just like we walked in they said hello the security guard opened the door you know we walked around we walked upstairs dead empty and it, it's and it we're not talking about Jacques Lemont. it yeah. was a, a, a much 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 bigger brand than that yeah we went to another brand that day and also got followed upstairs you're right. If you remember that one. Yes. And got told a lot of history about the brand. And yes. um, look, I don't I don't blame anybody for doing a job and, and trying to make a living. Oh um, no. I just think that yeah, I I do think that there's a there's clearly a benefit to having a wholly owned boutique. I mean, your watches are on on the stage full time. But mm -hmm. I also think that, you know, when my argument is that when you go into a multi-branded AD, you walk around, you see a lot of different things, you contrast and compare. I think brands should have the, the, the confidence that their product is going to stand out from another and be good enough. Like a Watches of Switzerland or a Vempe. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. And I also think that those stores are less um, intimidating for people to go into. Because, mm -hmm. you know, if you're not sure you want an Omega, mm -hmm. you're not going to go in there. But if you go into a multi-branded one and you're looking around and you go, oh, wait a sec. It's been a while since I've looked at Omega. That actually yeah. looks pretty cool. Or you could get an Omega. <clears throat> for six grand or seven grand or 10 grand, or you could get a Patek for 40. That as well. But you don't know. They don't know what you're getting, right? You walk in, depending on how you're dressed, if that's that's how they want to make an assumption, fine. Um, I mean, I want. I told you the story. I wanted to go into the Rolex boutique in, um, in Miami in the design district, and they wouldn't even open the door. They, the door the door was locked. I was wearing my GMT. The door was locked and they 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 signaled me and they said, We have nothing inside. And then I told this to a to a I, I, I met a couple uh on my one of my uh on my um trips back to Germany and there's a an, an elderly couple from um from Miami. Well originally not from Miami, but they live in Miami. And the lady said, I'm sorry to say, but you you don't dress like you belong there. <laughs> <laughs> and these people were dripped in Versace the loudest, most obnoxious way possible. Wow. And I'm like, well, and That's you can what guess what kind of people they were, you know? And I, you think you belong there? And I don't? I don't have the money to buy a, a GMT, and you do? 
you know what I mean? Like, just because I don't wear a, a, a sweatshirt that says Versace from like the left all the way to the right and up and down, <laughs> like sweatpants that says Hugo Boss, Hugo Boss, Hugo Boss, Hugo Boss, all the way down to the, come on. I don't know if she was right or wrong, but that's what this lady who lives in Miami told me about why I was not um, allowed into the, the boutique. Yeah. Well, I, you know, the other question I have on this is that when and if these places close, and they do close from mm-hmm. time to time, I think it's kind of embarrassing. Well, yeah. And if you're in a big AD, you know, you don't notice if a brand is not doing so well, right? I mean, if they go away, it's like, oh, I thought they used to carry it. And then it's a little bit easier to explain. Yeah, we, they, they lost their... Mm. You know, whatever. It, it, no, no, they moved into another area. It, you know, this exactly. downtown area, sure. Yeah. To a to a shop that's half the size of this one. But no, closing a store to me is a little bit embarrassing. I I can't think that some of these brands are going to be able to keep that up if if um you know if if it's not busy. So. And you know what happens when a, when a store is not busy is they got a lot of stock, and you know what happens to that stock? Oh, here we go. Ends That's, up on the gray market. That ends up on the gray market. And yeah. I mean, <clears throat> anybody who has anything to do with the watch industry, they know that there is the gray market. There's such a phenomenon as a gray market, right? There's a black market, there's a white market, and there's a gray market. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people, Balash, think that the gray market, you know, are people buying watches at really good deals and reselling them um people buying barely used watches and reselling them but no no well basically the gray market is stock that the authorized dealer cannot sell so they move it to another dealer who's not an authorized dealer so they at least get the money back and that other dealer then sells the watch with a much bigger discount and these are stock, that's the stock that the authorized dealer cannot sell because the brands make them buy watches in a package. Meaning if you want the flagship model, you can get that, but you have to buy five or 10 other watches that are not so popular, right? You get it because you want to have the flagship model. So if somebody walks in, sure, I have that Submariner, I have that Speedmaster, I have that El Primero, I have that whatever. But then that all comes with the other stuff that you cannot sell. So what you're going to do? You sink money into that stock, which is not moving. You have to do something with it, right? That's right. Hence the gray market. Hence the gray market. But the funny thing is the brands are the first to jump on a bandwagon and say, eBay, Yoma Shop, Chrono24, whatever. They're the cancer. They're the problem. They're They're feeding the gray market. Who's feeding the gray market, really? The dealers feeding the gray market for sure. They're getting rid of the stock. But why do they have the stock? Yeah. Yep. It's a um it's a vicious circle. Yeah. And you know, the thing is that the brand basically is done with the watch as soon as they sell it to the dealer. Absolutely. So yeah. They made their money. They made their money. Yeah. yeah. They made their money. And they may not be happy. 
um, that these watches don't sell at retail and, and help support retail pricing, but what's their dealer to do when they need to free up cash to buy the next tranche of watches, right? Mm-hmm. And I think those days are over, and that's I, I always say that. I think the days are over when a brand could tell a consumer what to buy. So you make, for example, a bunch of ladies' watches, right? Mm-hmm. And now, more than ever, it's not really cool, I guess, to have ladies' models. You can have unisex models, but... oftentimes I feel when I talk to, and just today I talked to my colleagues, female colleagues, and they said, I don't need a brand to tell me what to buy. I buy what I want to buy. And that is, I think, a problem that many brands, they don't realize that those days are over when you could tell a consumer what to get. Now consumers know what they want and they go in and I want that one. But here's a ladies model. It's much smaller. It's quartz and it has a mother of product. Yeah, but I don't like it. What do you mean? That's a ladies' model. You're a lady. Aircraft carrier. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So those days are over. And instead of doing that and creating a lot of surplus that you, the dealers cannot sell, just listen to the um, the consumer and don't try to be smarter than them because at the end of the day, they have the money. And if they don't like what you're selling, they're probably not going to buy it, right? Yep. Which, mean, which means you will not make money. So... I think now when everybody is, you know, there's all these companies, not only watch companies, but, you know, there's Nike ID. You don't like the Nike Air Force One? Here, design your own. Make make a, a pair of shoes that you want and you can have it. Car companies do the same. Put, your, put you know, these packages together. We have, you used to have like three, four packages, right, for a car. Now you can put everything together. So they know what they want and they are happy to pay for the stuff they want if you don't want to give it to them, they will not buy it. Yeah. Yeah. And look at, sometimes you have to make hard choices. Look at like Ford, right? Several years ago, they stopped making cars uh, for the American market. Only the Mustang. They got Mm -hmm. rid of all other cars. It's only like crossovers and SUVs and trucks. and, And that came across as really harsh. But guess what? The stuff wasn't selling and people didn't want it anymore. And they made a decision. Um, so I do agree with you. Some of the brands need to need to to make some of those hard decisions and give their dealers a bit more of a of a fighting chance at not always feeding the gray market. Hmm. So moving on, um, the next one I think was more of a, <laughs> and this was. You know, you could you could use this for newer watches. I think I thought of it even more around vintage, but I, I put down here: any buffoon can become a watch dealer. <laughs> um, there really are no checks and balances. You know, you, you just need a few bucks and, and a few watches to to start. And I'm, but maybe you're not talking about authorized dealers here, right? You talk no, about no, 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 no. Just sorry, no, just I'm not second, uh, like used or secondhand dealers. Yeah, used and secondhand. And you know, the number of times that I've read, um, and we talked about this last time, just like the same stuff used to describe watches, vintage watches that just perpetuate some falsehood. Um, it's it's. Um, it's bad. And I would just say, and this will tie into a later thing, 
you know, when you're buying a watch from somebody, ask a lot of questions, mm-hmm. um, whether it's vintage or whether it's newer, ask a lot of questions and also try to find some, some references you trust. <laughs> um, other people have bought from that person. I've heard such bad stories mm-hmm. of people getting something fake, getting something bad, not getting something at all, um, or winding up with something that just wasn't what what they thought it was. So, especially in the vintage world, there that's a that's a bad one. And you know, as I've gotten older, or at least more experienced in this, um, and I'm by no means ever done learning. I've started to realize the value of dealing with someone who can speak about a, about the history of a model, what, why it is right or why it's not right. Um, with who understands the product they're selling. Yeah, exactly. It's not just a quick buck. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just amazing how many other people out there have no idea and, you know, whoever buys from is surprised one day when they find out what they bought isn't really what they thought it was. So, I have we have I I think we have to make a distinction here between like used and secondhand and vintage, hmm. right? There's a huge difference there, right? So I I fully agree with you, but I also think that um, when it comes to like used or secondhand or however you want to call it, gray market doesn't matter. And we're not talking about vintage. Yeah. I think something that that really came the last few years, maybe 2016, 2017, is what's also on our list, and that's this investment story, right? Yeah. Watch is an investment. Buy a Rolex because it's an investment. And then everybody, you know, and their mother started to sell watches and and create these these accounts and sell here and there and everywhere. And of course, wherever you list as a dealer on a, on a platform, the, the platform has to check those people for sure. Um, that's number one. But also, whereas I guess maybe 10 years ago, we used to have X amount of dealers, seller or professional watch sellers. Now you have X times two, maybe. So easily, yeah. Easily, yeah. So it's and just people- so many people now. So you don't even know who you're buying from anymore. People coming in and going out all the time. Well, not right? to mention that, yes. And I guess it, it has to do with this investment stuff, which I think is the dumbest thing ever. Because look at the market now, right? Yeah. You bought a watch four years ago during COVID for X amount of money. Chances are you're maybe breaking even. Yeah. Unless it's a super specific model or whatever. Like this is now, we talked about this in the in one of the previous episodes. This is now buyer's market. Yeah, and don't um, again, and, and maybe we touched upon this last time, but I can't be more clear in this. And this doesn't have, just have to do with watches, yeah. But but we'll we'll talk about it in watches. If you see or hear about someone who is a has a bad reputation or even one bad story that you've more or less confirmed about some deal they've made, just walk away. Yeah. Like they, that person will do the same thing again. It's just within them. If they could justify it once, they will justify it again. 
Yeah. I, I, you and I both know dealers who have willfully taken advantage of people. And I would never, ever, ever buy from them. Ever. Yeah. And it's, and, and those guys sometimes are, are very reputable or, or, well, sound very reputable, right? Because yep. they're in a lot of publications. They're, you know, um, pictures with certain tastemakers. I love this word, tastemakers of the industry. They're in certain um, videos on YouTube. Well, he's, he must be great. I mean, such and such wrote about him. And look, at he's in a picture with such and such. And, oh, I saw this video with him and such and such. Or her or them, doesn't matter. And then you're surprised when the S hits the fan. Yeah. And it turns out jail or <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I mean there's Stay there's away. and it's not that difficult. Do some Google search and, and even if you even if you know, if if nine nine publications, articles, guys say, Hey, this dude is awesome. And I see one that says, Ah, he's a he's a scam. Bye. Yep. Goodbye. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's because if the as we always say, if the deal is too good to be true, probably isn't. Yeah, and look, there are there are examples of watches that never come up again. But probably, if you're listening to this watch or this podcast, you're not in that market. <laughs> well, yeah. and that's that's not picking on you but i mean you know, no, we're not in a market either no we're not talking about that you know the the, the seven figure the, the paul newman daytonas and the uh, yeah bow die rolexes and stuff but geez like a 10 20 30 vintage rolex just yeah. walk away just yeah. walk away and there's so many of them on the market so many yeah yeah it, it's I've told this story standing around dealers and hearing about how they passed around a bad watch and somebody ultimately sold it. There was chuckling going on. And I thought to myself, yeah, I, I didn't really want to hear this, but I'm glad I did because mm -hmm. I remember each one of those people who were, was talking and I've never bought a watch from any of them. Yeah. So, and I know some of them and I'll converse with them, but I've never bought a watch with them from them. Oh, we all know it, but it doesn't, I mean, again, we, I don't want to, sound elitist but and it, it it goes beyond that i'm not going to mention names because yeah it's yeah. it's we shouldn't but you can google it you can read stories you can read reddit you can read forums reddit is maybe even better than forums Th these stories are out there these stories are on I instagram on certain websites we all know who i'm talking about um on reddit as i said on forums it's out there yeah. and the other thing, like, who's this guy? I, I can't remember his name now. This guy who's in jail now, who got, got in trouble for fleecing a bunch of people. Um, uh, the gentleman, something gentleman. Gentleman, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, come on, people. Timepiece, timepiece gentleman. Like, really? It? The dude had, like, a rap sheet the size of <laughs> my daughter's Christmas list. And, um, <laughs> yeah, like, come on. I mean, no, nothing against the dude if he was really trying to turn himself around, but a probably not the best uh, line of work to go into where you got to try to get the confidence of people, which he managed to do because that's probably what he's good at. But 
shame on people for trusting him. And if you watch TV shows that uh, make fun of used car salesmen Mm. and you're buying a watch from somebody who sounds like that and somehow uh, justify it, then yeah, bad move. There you go. What's our next point? So, um, what do we want to? Oh, yeah. Overuse of outside the, the industry, industry figures. figures. Yeah. This is, this goes, I guess, back a bit to the, to the, to the influencer stuff. And w- w- when I talk about influencers, I really mean, as I said, I don't mean A-listers. I mean certain influencers who who are here now, but where will they be in three years? And um, I also said uh, in the notes, like, what's the ROI, right? Like, how do you measure the success of certain people? And also, I mean, I guess outside the industry figures and and companies, that's another story because you can measure by the the sales. But oftentimes, um, something, somebody comes into the industry, right? And they're they make something fun, something interesting, something genuine that even you and I enjoy. And then you see that, let's say entity, right? I'm not sure if it's a person or a company, whatever. This entity being used or well collaborated, um, being used by another brand, and then another brand, and then another one. And before that marketing campaign is over, there's already another one, and another one, and another one. And then it just cheapens this entity's, um, I wouldn't say credibility, but um, I guess, for the lack of a better word, value that they, they, they bring into the industry. And it just gets boring and overused. And it is something that the industry, the watch industry does often. Like they see something is cool or somebody's hot. Everybody wants to work with that person or that entity, as I said, until it's just super, super overused, super boring. Played out. Played out. And uh, they should have stopped or they should, this entity should have stopped three brands ago. And we have a few in mind. (laughs) We can mention if you want. Yeah, go for it. Um. The one, the one, I guess it's a it's a one man company um, that I, I I think when 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 they came to the to the to the scene a few years ago, I think you you and I we both quite in you know um, intrigued about what they're doing. Um, at least I was, and that's uh, and that's um, second second. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think what he does. I think it's just a one-man show, if I'm not mistaken. It's really interesting. It was interesting. It was cool. It was something you've not seen before. I love the way how he presented the collaborations. I love the way... I still do. I still love the the, the Instagram feed. It's very creative. For somebody who works in a creative field like I do, it's super creative. It's It's really amazing. But dude, stop working with brands. Every single brand. Because it's just... Yeah, to loses, me, loses it, some of the novelty, right? It does. To me, it's just, and it's, and hey, if these collaborations, you know, put money in your bank account and food on the table, good for you. Don't get me wrong; I'm not a hater. But 
eventually you'll get to the point or users get to the point where it's not interesting to have a collaboration with him or or any other similar entity. Yeah, it gets worn out. Because it's just worn out. It's played out. Yeah. And and actually, like, I don't know if I fault him for, for taking the gig. but yeah, For I sure look, not. I mean, as I said, it's more power to you if it puts food on the table. Yeah. If I look at Frederic Constant doing that, it, it feels a little bit um, forced. Hmm. You know, it, it, I was like looking up, um, <laughs> you'll have to look this up. So in 1978, there was a Cadillac Seville Gucci version. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I realized like even in the late seventies, uh, Cadillac, I guess was, was pretty, uh, was pretty cool, but I mean, man, and, and Gucci probably also wasn't exactly Gucci, but, um, it, it was, what was the um, demographic that bought that car? I guess, but man, it was pretty bad. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so sometimes like things just, it's okay if they don't fit together, you just don't do them. Yeah. You know, like if Frederick Constant wanted to let their hair down and do something funky, I mean, maybe it was the right guy, but did it have to be him? Could it, couldn't they like figure out something on their own, you know, something different? Right, or with somebody else. And yeah, that's what I mean. So, yeah, 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 yeah. And he should work with because really he does really cool stuff. But some of them are just also like a very looks. You know, some of the the the, the projects they look like a very um, easy money grab. Let's mm-hmm. change that hand and put another hand on it. Meh. Yeah. Then again, I just googled this uh, Cadillac Gucci. It's that's something else. I have to say. Yeah, you kind of wish you had it, didn't you? Jesus you? Christ! Look at that interior and the bag, set of gracious. bags that came with. Are you seeing that in the advertisement? Yeah. Goodness! And the Gucci um, Gucci logo on the front. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's probably worth a few bucks today. <laughs> probably. Well, if you were a pimp back then and you kept your car, <clears throat> um, yeah. What else do we got? Um, Maybe like a design. Yeah. So look, the the whole like um, retro thing and trends like integrated bracelets and stuff like that. Um, I feel like design by and large is dead. Hmm. You know, not everybody. Like, again, we've talked a while watches like the Octo Finissimo. Yeah, and what, look, what came to my mind as well, yeah. There are plenty of other nice watches. Like, I love the Streamliner from Moser. I mm-hmm. think it's a really cool watch. Um, it doesn't have to be brand new. Look mm-hmm. at, like, Rolex. They just keep evolving, right? They're not, yeah. like, releasing Retro or Omega, for that matter. Um, But, yeah, there's just too much of a reliance today on the back catalog and... I get it. Yeah, the watches are better. They're modern. There's people who don't want to buy vintage, good stuff. But it feels like some sometimes when these watches get re-released now, I'm like, that was a one-hit wonder. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't even worth bringing back again, that kind of watch. So, I I think... Yeah, I'm hungry for new design, actually, which is 
yeah, it, it's. Do you think that these brands are in, in a identity crisis? I think a lot are. I think a lot are because, you know, previously, you know, talk about moving like an aircraft character or carrier. These were okay. They they had a a style to them, but these watches were also very functional and had a purpose. And it's been a long time since they have, um, other than talent time. Mm. And I think when you start to get caught up in who the watch should be for and what type of lifestyle it should be living, maybe they've just forgotten how to design and yeah, it, it, it just feels feels like the industry could use some injection of, of new design. And uh, by the way, like between pricing and, and this, especially I I feel like micro brands have probably become a bigger issue than most believe Mm -hmm. because Okay, there are a load of of retro inspired micro brand watches <clears throat> for Lenmari. Um but which is fine, but there are quite a few out there that take risks and do their own thing. So, and good for them. Um it fills a need uh that the big guys aren't really doing anymore. There's a lot of safety in what comes out today yeah. from big brands. Absolutely. I think in this sense, the where where the creativity is 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 with the auto luxury brands, right? Because yeah. they are very daring. They use materials, they use colors, complications, shapes, um, sizes, even that are just. And there's only you know so much you can do with a watch, right? You cannot make it sixty five. You cannot make it twenty centimeters thick. It's a it's um, it's very limited. But it's also really not, because if you look at designs from the 60s or from the 70s, just just look at vintage chronographs in the 60s, just the dials, the different fonts, the colors, the the the, the scales. Yes, the shape was the same. The, the size was pretty much the same, but the dials were so different. Look at the 70s with all the different um, ways of showing the time, you know, jump power watches with um, retrograde watches. So <clears throat> on the one hand, yes, you have a limited space, but on the other hand, if you're creative, you can work with that space. Yeah. And not every auto luxury watch is 48, right? So it's not about that. It's, yes, you wanna stay true to the um, to the DNA of the brand, but what is the DNA of the brand? Aren't you supposed to create a new DNA? Or do you always have to do the stuff that was designed in the 50s or 60s? And what was the DNA before that model was designed, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So what was the DNA of, of AP before the Royal Oak? Because this is our DNA, an integrated bracelet, blah, blah, or the, or the Nautilus, or the Speedmaster, or the, I don't know, Submariner. That was a DNA before. Sure. And you manage to change that into something else. So now it's time maybe to, to keep that. Sure, keep that, but do something else. And that's what I, what I really like about brands, for example, like Tissot, is that they have their vintage-inspired stuff, but they also have new stuff. Yeah. Or Hamilton, for example, even better example. 
Yeah, and I and look, I may not always love that stuff because it's unfamiliar. I don't love it, but yeah. good for them, you know. Good Absolutely. for them. And there is something you like. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. I agree. It wasn't really a rant now, was it? It was just a discussion. No. You said we're going to rant, and I was... No, we didn't really rant. No. You're, you're right. Because uh, I think the difference is... More of a is, wish list, wasn't it? It's more of a wish list, yeah, because... And, and just, just like a, you know, um, as a last note, we love this industry, obviously, because it's... Uh, what is this? It's It's 10.45 in the evening on a Monday. You think I have nothing better to do? Or Mike, we do have stuff to do. Yeah, I got to write up this episode before it goes out tomorrow. And I have to edit it on my beautiful, super fast internet. So we have better stuff to do, but we do this because we love this. We love talking to each other. We love creating this content and we love talking about the industry. We love talking about the stuff that we really do love and we enjoy the industry. And so this is, this yeah, is not, not a rant. Not this a rant. It's not hating on stuff. It's just. We just love, we would we'd love to see, or as far as I'm concerned, I'd love to see, you know, these brands thrive and, and, and people enjoy what they're doing and um, what they're buying. They can, they can get what they want. Um, so I think as far as I'm concerned, and I guess Mike, I can talk for the both of us, it's, it's pure love. And as you said, it's more of a wish list um, yeah. to kind of raise attention to certain things. Yeah, and what we think would help, uh, like you said, brands thrive and hopefully fill those stores up with people. There so. you go. But I'm sure we're going to have a lot of comments, pro and contra, about our thoughts or, or your thoughts. So let us know what, what you think about what's wrong with the watch industry. Absolutely. Well, sir, we went late today. Yeah. Hour and a half. Oof. Nice one. A lot of watch talk, though, for uh, you <laughs> anti-banter people. So There you go. Well, sir, with that, I'm going to let you get to it. Mike is out. Bye is out as well. Good night, everyone. Well, good morning, depending on when you're listening to this. <laughs>